Forbes.com released an article in December of 2018 that states, quote, remote work is no longer a privilege. It's becoming the standard operating mode for at least 50% of the U.S. population, end quote. A staggering trend that's continuing to grow. With organizations adapting to or fighting against this movement, the question is, how do we address it? On this episode, we're sitting down with the founder of VMS Biomarketing, Neil Rothermel, who shares how his company makes working remotely successful. Let's get to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the ROI Podcast, presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the Kelly family. If you enjoy the show, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can receive the latest episode as it's released each week. It would also mean the world to us if you left us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. That simply helps our show grow. And for everyone that shared our show on social media, we want to say a huge thanks. It's so hard to believe how far we've come just in the past six months. Well, according to the same article I referenced in the intro of this show by Forbes.com, by 2020, Gen Z will make up about 36% of the global workforce. And that number comes from the Center of Generational Kinetics. What does this mean? It means as technology continues to shrink the globe, how we communicate with each other also evolves. Meaning, Working remotely is far easier today than ever before, and that's becoming a drumbeat inside this new generation. Wow. 50% of the U.S. workforce has some option to work remotely. Now, it's important to understand that if you get into the article, that 50% means some option. Most workers still have to come into work at some time. If we're only looking at 100% remotely, we're only talking about 5.2% of the workforce, or 8 million Americans. However, the trend even there of 100% remote is growing. It's growing fast, and enterprises need to adapt. And that's our topic we want to explore this week. What do we do with this working remotely trend? Our guest, Neil Rothermel, is the founder of a company called VMS Biomarketing, which is a healthcare education company who had to overcome this very obstacle in order to take his business to the next level. Neil is also the executive in residence for our Tobias Leadership Center, which means he helps our faculty and students build relationships with executive leaders outside of these school walls. Neil points out that we live in a time where change is now exponential. There's going to be more exponential change in the next five years than there has the last 50. And that's probably modest. We're going to see more things change um, than has ever happened. So as our company has evolved and we have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people all around the country, um, my biggest concern is how do we share our core values? How are we aligned aligned around our mission? And when you don't see people every day to be able to share what that culture looks like, how do you do that? So I think it all starts and ends with people. One of the things I think we did best right out of the gate was focus on working with the best people and who shared our passion, our mission, and our purpose. And I think that core alignment uh, for us really was the thing that continues to make it easy to have a unifying rallying cry to go to the next level when you work with people who are 
all focused on the same purpose and grounded in the same reason of why. Big companies are shifting to unify around their purpose if they already haven't, bringing together their corporate relations and philanthropy and their mission all together, because the more those things are scattered, the harder it is to you know make a difference and move the needle. It's hard enough in a big organization to get people all moving in the right direction. It's like herding cats, and you add any disparity around purpose, and it's like herding cats with laser pointers. In Neil's interview, he gave great examples of big companies regrouping their focus. You know, one example, Matt, is Tesla. Tesla, from the beginning, was motivated by a desire to hasten the world's transition to sustainable energy. They just happened to pick cars as the way to do that. A group of engineers came together and they wanted to make electric cars that performed better than gasoline cars. And again, it was motivated by this larger question of why the company existed, and that was to bring us into a sustainable future. And now their success there has gone into other areas, such as solar shingles on roofs and other things that contribute to sustainability. Again, Tesla, a company focused on why they exist and everything they do is motivated by that. And all this comes from, as Neil said, Simon Sinek's why conversation he has or why talk that he gives in TED Talk. And so in order to answer the question, how can our organization adapt to this working remotely trend? It starts by answering why our organization exists in the first place. I don't think it really matters where people are when they're working. I think it matters what the purpose is of what they're trying to accomplish. And sometimes that needs to be together in one space collaborating. And sometimes that can be working out in the field. Sometimes that can be at home alone, at home collaborating through technology. I think those lines will continue to blur and it won't really matter where people are anywhere on the globe, whether they're at home or in a business, as long as they're unified around a core purpose and they have a clear set of objectives and then they collaborate with the right tools at the right time because there's no replacement for face-to-face -face interaction. In our business, um, when we sort of start with why, our purpose is empowering patients. So if you best do that working from home or you do that in collaborating in a group depending on your role and the circumstance, I think that unifying principle makes all of that happen. And again, it comes back to re-emphasizing the question of why the organization exists. Neil takes it a step further to help us and our employees really drill down into our organization's purpose. I think the best way for an individual employee to kind of engage in a conversation about the rationale for why they would work from home, anywhere, how they do their, their work in the best environment is to start with why. And maybe to start with the, the why of the business, but then from the design thinking perspective, ask five whys. So anything you can ask five whys to go to the deeper value or root cause is a powerful experience. Even in our company, our why is to empower patients. But if you double click on that and you ask why a couple more times, why are on-demand nurse educators the best at enabling patient empowerment, and you go deeper into the why there, well, it's, it's empathy. Really, what the core of it is, is empathy. So if you're on the front lines, 
in engaging patients and you have that empathy, what's the best environment and way that you can do that? doesn't matter whether you're working from home or on a phone or in person, but if we give you those skills to maximize on your human capability of empathy, to make that connection that really empowers patients, it's a very powerful exercise. And I think that same way, if you apply asking why five times, both to your, your, your company mission, to your job role, why, 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 I think you kind of get to the heart of how you could bring that forward to say to someone why this is the best solution and not just selling it for your own benefit, but for the best possible outcome for the company and for the mission. And so I took this exercise that Neil offers to try asking five whys, and I try to apply it to our podcast. Well, if we ask the first why, that gets us to our mission, to help organizations make better business decisions. The second why, so leaders can grow their organization in order to hire Kelly students. Why? So our students can make an impact and grow our community. The fourth why, because we see high value within every person of every community in Indiana. Why? Because we deeply care about the future of each individual's well-being inside our community. Or boiled down to, we are very empathetic about growing our community to have the best economic impact that they can for their family that leads them for the future success. And so once we drill down on our organization's why, which defines our purpose, our next step to answering how to adapt with the working remotely trend is changing how we think as leaders in two different ways. So one of the things that I think is kind of obvious from design thinking and uh, kind of almost improv is this concept of mindset of yes and thinking. So if you're in a critical mindset, if you are thinking yes but, you're always sort of finding the why something can't work, that kind of critical mindset is very important in everyday business settings so things don't go wildly off the rails. But I think what leaders don't do to create a more positive, generative culture for the future is to think about time when you could say yes and. And even to be cognizant, when am I saying yes and in this creative, brainstorming mentality of creating the possibilities for the future versus sort of limiting and saying no to things. Try a yes and exercise around that. If you say someone's going to be at home, yes, and what would that enable them to do? Yes, and, you know, how would that enable them to not have to spend time commuting? Yes, and how could they be more productive, engaged? Yes, and what are the possibilities? And when you start to imagine all the benefits of something and build onto them, not from a critical mindset of, regulation and management and accountability, but of impossibility, then I think you really unlock the potential of of people working from wherever and however. The second way to change our thought process is to change our perspective on the future. I think the best way as leaders that we can get ready for that kind of a future is to have a perspective of abundance versus scarcity. And it is the concept of shifting from this idea that resources are scarce to all the possibilities that will be technologically enabled in the future, that if we shift from that thinking about limited resources to an abundant future, it really changes the mindset of trying to micromanage and uh, lack of resources to trying to get the right best and brightest minds around solutions. VMS Biomarketing has been recognized as one of Fortune's top 100 workplaces. And it has achieved that with more than 100 full-time and 800 on-demand clinical educators nationwide. This success stems from Neil 
constantly driving down on the organization's purpose, embracing innovation, and trusting his employees to get the job done, no matter where they are located. So then the question becomes, how do we ensure that the job actually gets done? Well, we must have an engaged staff. And the key for having an engaged staff is finding the right talent. I think the right people with the right vision don't need to be managed nearly as much. If you find people who are unified around your mission and they understand the purpose, a lot of the reasons to have to micromanage the details sort of go away. In very specific ways, technology enables a lot of things, and even more so in the future, to be able to make sure that as we all continue to be hyper-efficient, that we make sure we can learn how to be more effective and engaged at every step along the journey in the, in the workflow process. And Matt, it's not just about finding the right talent, but knowing that... The right people, the top talent, value autonomy as one of the highest things. They want to be feel mastery and feel good about what they do and feel qualified and have advanced learning opportunities and feel like they're in an environment of growth and they want the autonomy and flexibility to be able to do it. So I think if you give the right people the right tools and the right freedom, they're going to come up with way better, smarter solutions than if you think you know the answer and try to go prove it. I mean, there's always something that is a boundary or a you know, an upper limit or constraints on, on your environment, no matter how you put that together. So I think as much as you just sort of take on the, the mission and internalize that, um, you know, in areas where people are, uh, their creativity stifled, they're unhappy, they don't want to be part of that, they're not coming up with the best things, and they're not going to stay around to work on something that they don't feel good at and that they don't believe in. And we also need to recognize the right people don't have to be held accountable. So if you if you start with finding the right people and you're not managing for processes to have, you know, people who really probably shouldn't be part of the company just be more compliant with processes, you probably don't have the right people or the right system or they're not engaged in the mission. So, you know, that's not always too easy to do to figure out the root cause. It's easier to sort of look for how do we make this person accountable? And I think as things get more and more automated and technology makes our lives easier, we should take our human time and attention to connect more with people to figure out those root causes of what makes people more effective and, and you know what brings people down to not be producing the right results. But then how do we ensure our culture, our vision, and our mission keeps our talented employees engaged to advance our cause? As leaders, we need to learn how to tell great stories. So I think you have to get really good at telling stories and you have to get really good at sharing signs and symbols that, that make a difference in our reminders. One thing that came to mind was uh, we had an initiative where we were talking about cutting through clutter, that we just shouldn't see all the red tape in certain areas. I mean, we work in a highly regulated environment and we have to be very disciplined about, about those parameters. But in areas where it's unnecessary bureaucracy, we just want to cut through clutter. So very simple thing, but our team came up with the idea, let's make logoed scissors that are on everybody's desk. So anybody, wherever they work, they have a pair of scissors as a visual reminder there to say, we cut through clutter. So it's just those very simple things sometimes too. And I have them on my desk and every once in a while you're like, oh yeah, let's cut that. Let's do it. And they say, if if you don't create a story, nature hates a vacuum, someone's going to create a story for you. They will fill in with that constellation of information that's around. People create stories. So 
give them the story you want to tell. Give them the story that empowers the future. Don't let people just sort of create their own story. So own it and use it to your benefit. You know, Matt, a story grabs the heart. A story speaks to a different part of our mind. Facts and figures, they're in the rational part of our brain. And those facts and figures enter and they leave very quickly. But stories are absorbed by the emotional part of our brain. And it's stuff that enters that part of the brain doesn't leave. It sticks with us. And that's what we mean by grabbing the heart. And when a manager or a CEO can speak to that part of their team's brain, that's going to have a powerful impact on keeping everyone focused. And finally, with everything we teach through these podcasts, these tips are simple to hear, yet hard to apply. Even when I think I'm pretty grounded in these obvious principles, they are very difficult to execute. So, for example, we went to this conference recently that was about exponential change and technology, and somehow I got myself wound around the axle that I was going to come out of this with a solution to bring forward to the team. And about three days into it, I realized, why is my whole career based on finding the right people and giving them the right tools and letting them figure out what's next. And then all of a sudden, at the most technologically advanced time and most precarious time in human history, I think I need to come up with the solutions and spoon feed them to people. It's just so wrong thinking. So when you open yourself up and say, I don't really need to figure out a solution. I just need to help find new tools for the best and brightest to be able to find the right solutions. It's very freeing too. So let's recap. There's a rising trend toward working remotely. As leaders, we must face this challenge now rather than playing defense later. So how do we adapt? First, we must drill down on the purpose of our organization. Write down your mission statement followed by five whys. Answering those questions boils down your existence into one simple answer. Next, we need to change how we think in two ways. First, instead of always saying yes but dot dot dot, try saying yes and dot dot dot. Challenge yourself to finding a solution where both possibilities can exist. As Neil said, try a yes and exercise around if someone's going to be at home. Saying things like yes and what would that enable them to do? Yes and how would that enable them to not have to spend time commuting? Yes and how can they become more productive and engaged? And second, recognize that as technology improves, our abundance of resources improves. If we see what's possible through the lens of scarcity, we will not grow to our full potential. The next step comes with finding the right talent who align with our organization's mission and making sure we give them the right tools. Neil says that the right people need autonomy and do not need to be micromanaged. Rather, we should spend that time managing our processes instead. Allowing people to work how they want creates freedom, and freedom creates surprising innovation. Finally, to keep our remote workforce marching in the same direction, we need to be the best storytellers. Stories grab our emotions, a much stronger force than our logical thought. And if we're not controlling what stories are told, someone else will. If we allow ourselves freedom to fail, embrace a culture of innovation, and push past our own insecurities, our organization will overcome any obstacle on the horizon. This has been another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. 
Our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week. Thank you.